As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Abby, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super pumped to talk to you because I know you're from like the comedy world, um, yeah. but I don't know you like in depth. So I'm ready to like get in there, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is, uh, it's going to be fun. Of course. Um, okay. So usually I start out by asking, is there a low point or like valley season in your life that you're most proud of overcoming? And can you talk to us about it? And it can be, you know, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, yesterday, pandemic. The world is your oyster. <laughs> the world is your oyster. <laughs> oh, my God. So many low points. Wow. <laughs> Which one do I choose? Um, I've been thinking because, like, I know that you that's the, yeah. the theme of the podcast. So I was yeah. thinking about it. And I feel like one of my uh, one of my biggest one of my lowest low points. Yeah. I guess was when I moved back to the United States after living in Japan for six years and was like, let's try to start a career. And Wait, was when like, was that? So after college, I moved to Japan on the JET program, which is like a teaching exchange program, um, because I wanted to travel mainly. And I had studied theater and I wanted to be an actor singer. I just like, this was kind of an excuse for me to just put all that on hold because I was you know, faced with all those decisions, like every actor is with mm -hmm. like, which city should I move to? Like, do you want to, do I want to do on camera or am mm -hmm. I a theater actor? Cause I, in college studied theater and I was like, well, let me just go to Japan and distract myself. So I moved to Japan. Um, it was my first time on an airplane ever was Whoa. moving to Japan. That's so a big obviously, one. Yeah, it was a big one. I was like hungry for travel as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. First time on an airplane. So, yeah. um, I was sent, so on this program, you don't get to choose where you're sent. You get to, you can give them preferences, but they never listen to those. And the everyone's preferences like, are like countries or cities or? Just Japan, both? just within Japan. Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah. So you knew you were going to Japan, but you didn't yes. know like where. Right. Got so it. of course, everybody is like Tokyo, Kyoto. Sure. And I was one of those people, but I was sent to rural Akita, which is a prefecture in the north of Japan. And it's. They call it Inaka, which means middle of nowhere, but oh. <laughs> but it was like one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my life. It um, I heard that it was like inspiration for Ghibli films. I don't know if you're familiar with Studio Ghibli no. anime movies. Oh, I'm sure I would know, but I don't want to talk in my head. But. <laughs> but yeah, the the animation from those films was inspired by this place, and that's how pretty it was. Or it is still, it's still beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so wait, you were going over there to teach what, like English? So English, yeah. So this was a teaching exchange program. Um, you go and you become an ALT, an assistant language teacher. And the contracts are like, you renew it annually. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go do this for a year. And, and then I'll figure out my life. It'll be fine. So I went, I loved living there. And I ended up renewing my contract for another year in Akita. So I stayed there for two years. And then at the end of that, I was like, okay, oh, I got to make some decisions. Like, am I going to go try to be an actor back in the States or should I move to Tokyo and like try that? And I felt like I had to move to Tokyo because I was already in Japan and I just wanted to try living in Tokyo and see what that was all about. So I moved to Tokyo and I ended up staying there for four years. So wow. that's where I started getting back into acting and I was doing children's musicals that travel around the country cool and just like basically you know what any actor is doing like any gig that you can get yeah um you know lounge singing and um I first got a taste of voiceover there so I was doing like these in the children's shows I was doing I got to do voices for the characters that they had in the shows the little puppets and stuff mm -hmm. and like some promo here and there and I just like really loved doing that 
and realized that like in Japan, there's not the English voiceover career that I would want to have doesn't exist in Japan. There is English voiceover, but like um, most of the animation and video games and, you know, English commercial voiceovers in the United States or another English speaking country as it right. were. So, right. so then I, um, I decided that I had to leave. And um, at that point, this was like towards the end of my Tokyo career. I had been depressed for a very long time. I was not doing well. I was just because I knew in my heart, like I wasn't happy there and I, I couldn't mm -hmm. see the life and career that I wanted in mm -hmm. Tokyo. And it, it took me a long time to come to the conclusion that like I had to leave to, yeah. to find that. And um and then when I did, it was just like, cool, 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 cool. Like I moved back to the States and I have no like experience in the States working. Like what is my resume? You know, it was just very overwhelming and um scary yeah. to say the least. I have so many questions. Okay. My first question is, did you know Japanese before moving to Japan? So I was conversational. I studied in college. So I had taken three years of Japanese. I was conversational. So it wasn't oh, okay. like I wasn't thrown into the deep end. I could, yeah. 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 What was that? I mean, so you had never been on a plane before and then now you're oh. moving to Japan. Like what what made you want to do that and what did your like family and friends think of that well i had always wanted to travel my entire life i had like a the wanderlust as it were you know yeah. just like watching travel documentaries and like imagining going to these places and i had been studying um chinese and japanese history as mm. in addition to theater um, mainly because i'm interested in the philosophy and like how that drives the culture and um, I had taken so many classes, Chinese and Japanese at that point that I double majored in East Asian studies and theater. And my Japanese teacher was like, have you heard of the JET program? And I was like, mm. yeah. And I had never considered applying. And she was like, I think you should apply. You'd, you'd probably really like it. And I don't know why she like picked like that moment to tell me that information. You must've been Be like her best student. <laughs> I was not, <laughs> but I was just like, I was confused by that. And then she was like, I'll, rec I'll write you a recommendation if you want. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to be an actor. And I don't know, like, I was just yeah, like, yeah, I don't, yeah. what? And uh, so then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, actually, that sounds kind of rad. Like, I, I want to just experience another culture and I want to travel. And so I applied and I didn't expect to get in, but I did. And then once I got that acceptance letter, I was like, well, shit, like I I have to go. Like I'm going, I'm going to move to Japan now. And, and you um, didn't know anybody there in Japan? No. That's like ballsy for a 21, 20 year old. Like Yeah. Um, but the thing about the JET program, which is great, if people are interested in applying, is that they have like a structure in place that they help you. They're placing you in a job. They're placing you in an apartment the like okay. board of education yeah. is helping you you know live your life you're not just like wandering yeah. the streets of japan looking for a job <laughs> like it's, yeah it's that's, very well that's nice because i feel like i would i think a lot of people would have like no idea like where to start like looking for an apartment and like things like that so it's nice that that they take that off your plate a hundred percent have you have you ever been to japan no, it's like the country that I want to go to is supposed to go in like 2020, 2021. But oh, yeah, that Oops. didn't happen. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah it's Oops. like the country that I want to go to so bad. Uh, you should go. When uh, you, I, whenever you have a chance, if the opportunity comes up, you should go. It's oh, if next international cool. trip I take, it's for sure going to be to Japan. What about like the philosophy did you relate to and like? Uh, well, I think that started with like I had a, a high school teacher actually was teaching epistemology and um, I, took I don't even, what is the, I don't even know what that is. It's Am like, I an idiot? <laughs> what is the definition? Um, and it, it was like, it was like um, a philosophy class okay. kind of. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and we also, we talked about like Taoism. We talked Got about, it. Okay. you know, basically that I know. the history of philosophy and philosophy in general is interesting to me. I don't know. I'm not an expert by any means, Yeah, but like just different perspectives and different ways of thinking about the world. I find fascinating because I grew up in America where everything is very yeah. like 
we have our American opinions for sure. Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Massachusetts originally. Okay. Small town, big town? Attleboro. It's a it's a small city. Okay. okay. Not like, yeah, small city, I'll say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm just very impressed by just like being like, and I'm going to move to Japan. Okay. So you're in Japan. You're there. You start getting depressed what 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 did something happen specific or was it like a slower decline and not like an immediate one it wasn't it wasn't immediate so when I first got there I was like so happy I was living life I was like this is great I'm just like you know I have a job I don't have to I I felt like I didn't have to pay attention to a lot of the immediate things that were that had been weighing on me like deciding like huge life decisions Mm. and I was just kind of like well I'm in this program for a year so I'm just gonna live my life and it was a relief to me right huge relief and so I learned something about myself there I was like oh I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to do these things and um I've always had like cyclical depression like Mm. on and off so Mm -hmm. every every month or two months I'll have like anywhere from like a couple of days to like a couple of weeks of just depression. Mm-hmm. And then I'll kind of bounce back and I'll be like, and I'm okay again. Mm-hmm. And I'm... So it wasn't bad until like my last year, two years in Tokyo. Um, it was like, I love Tokyo so much. I just think that it's, it's a big city mm-hmm. and it's a lonely city in a lot of respects because there are so many people, people tend to bubble. Mm. They isolate themselves within a crowd, mm. which is understandable. Like survival mode, you have to you can't, you have to separate yourself from the madness. But um, at the same time, like it doesn't you know in a small town, people are like saying hello, waving yeah. to you, chatting with you. Um, Tokyo is very different. And whereas I had like a lot of friends there, I didn't have as many close friends that I could really talk to about like you know the heavy stuff and you know just it it felt like a little more superficial because mm. you, you would see friends and like the city's so big that certain friends like you wouldn't even see all the time and, yeah like, yeah I mean, you know how it is yeah but, kinda, I mean is it it's big I mean okay I'm about to sound like an idiot again is it like big spread out like Los Angeles is or is it like smaller like Manhattan is it is Tokyo. It's, it's big in the sense that it's spread out, but it's also like there's a ton of people. Okay, so okay, it's like okay. it's like a really big Manhattan. It's like both. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see why that would be overwhelming. So, so you're just feeling like isolated and like not connected to anybody in particular that you can like rely on or um, even just like spend time with in a close capacity. Is that it? Was kind of right. Um, it was more like I felt like I had friends I could rely on. It was more like I felt like I didn't have friends that I could be like 100% confide in or 100% myself around. Or, yeah. And I felt like I was also like losing myself at that point. Mm. I was I had been in Japan for at that point five, six years. And I was I felt like I was losing aspects of myself that that I had previously thought defined who I was. Like what? Just like... I found that I was being overly polite to try to fit into the society, Mm. trying way too hard to be, to fit in, you know, because in Japan, it's a very polite society, but um, like, I'm always going to be a foreigner living there. Right. So I was just, I was putting all these pressures on myself to be, you know, to be polite and be proper and blah, blah, blah. A lot of the time, not all the time, but um. I am a polite person. I know but, I was about to say, but and you're a like, real bitch. <laughs> yeah, <I'm crazy. laughs> um, but it was like it's hard to explain. Um, and my and my sense you just of humor didn't feel like too. yourself. Yeah. yeah, like my I felt like I was just losing. The lines were blurred. I was losing myself. I was like, is this behavior? Is this who I am? Like it was just kind of trippy. Yeah. Um, and then I had a moment where. I went out to get some coffee with my friend and his mom, and he is half Japanese, half British. I think they're from Britain. Um, anyway, his mom met me, and she was like, "Are you Japanese?" 
And I was like, no, like not at all. I'm not. And she was like, oh, you just, you behave so Japanese. I thought you were. And like, it hit me then. I was like, oh, wow. That's like, I've learned this behavior to try to fit in and mm. like, what is this? Who am I? Like just an existential crisis of like, yeah. what am I doing? Um, yeah. So yeah, that was an interesting, an interesting, um, my head space was very different than it is now. Yeah. So what did you, when did you make the decision to move back and what, why, like what did something happen to make you finally be like, you know what, I'm moving. I had, so I, I felt like that for a while, like just that kind of, yeah, off, off, just felt off for a while. Did you, I, I, before, did you do anything to like try, did you like, I don't even know again, do they have therapy in Japan? Is that, is that a stupid question? Like, is uh, that, is, do they, is there like any mental health thing that you could have even done? Good question. Um, I imagine so, but I sure didn't do it at the okay, time. Okay, okay, okay. Just we weren't. Was, you weren't there yet. No, I was not there yet. I was. Yeah. The, I was the person who was like, "I'm fine. I'll get over it. It's fine." It's Got it. Fine. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, I didn't explore that, but I'm sure there are options. But mental health, I feel like any country needs to be talked about more. Oh yeah, the whole point of this podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Um. So to answer your question. Yes. I'd been feeling weird for a while and I kind of decided in my heart like a year or so before I actually left that I wanted to leave and I'd been thinking about it and I'm like just having a hard time kind of committing to it because op other opportunities would come up and I'd be like this is cool I want to do this and mm -hmm. is this good for my career uh um then I had an audition for uh, a drama a tv drama so there's this thing in Japan called Asadora it's like morning drama and it's um it's a show that like everybody watches. It's like a soap opera, basically. Okay, got it. Um, so I had this audition. They were like, "We need a foreigner who can speak Japanese," and um, I, I can't remember who. One of my agents sent it to me. So I auditioned for this thing, and they were doing this. It was this weird system where they were having like callbacks, but it was like a group callback. So there was like. 12 to 14 of us women doing these various callbacks and in in one of them we had like these improv exercises like in you Japanese. were in the same room together yes like for the callback itself okay mm -hmm. okay hmm. so but it was like at first it was like not quite a callback they're like they want you to participate in um I can't remember what the, the phrasing was but it was like yeah. several weeks of this where like we would Whoa. go and the the one that sticks out to me the most was that we were doing like improv in Japanese where there was this woman and she was like coaching us and she's like now you're animals and like blah 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 and it was I was just like I had a moment in that session where I was like what am I doing like what yeah. is this and then um finally we we did like scenes did they the pay show. you for any of the weeks no. of auditioning? God it was damn. like it wasn't the whole week. It was like a couple days. Okay, but spread still, out over the course of SAG like would not be happy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another story. Yeah, <laughs> acting in Japan. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this um this thing was going on. We finally got to scene work. I did a scene. You know, it's all in Japanese. They're filming it. I thought it was I was okay. I thought some of the other women in their group were like pretty good like I was like oh yeah she crushed it like mm. yeah um and then we find out weeks later that they hired a woman uh from the states off of backstage who spoke no Japanese at all she wasn't at any of the things no oh <gasps> what yeah. the fuck and this is like this is a story that I had heard <laughs> from friends um kind of saying that like yeah as a foreigner working in Tokyo, you're not foreign enough. And sometimes oh. they they, they want to hire Americans or, you know, people from directly from a foreign country because they are more foreign. Because I did speak Japanese and I right. had learned Japanese mannerisms. And so I was like, well, now I'm not foreign enough to be a foreigner. Oh, no. Like, now you're like in an in-between, yeah, like a weird so, in-between place. Yeah. Um, and it's also just a matter of preference. I think like it's more glamorous to hire somebody from Hollywood sure, than to hire local talent, yeah. which 
I get it. But at the same sure. time, yeah, I've been Hollywood, about us this. Hollywood folk are so glamorous. Oh, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd been warned about that. And then I saw it firsthand and I was oh like, yep, God. yep. I'm going to go now. Okay, so, okay, 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 okay. So that if I had booked that job, I probably would have stayed to film it because it's a TV show. And I like, right. you know, that's an opportunity that I probably wouldn't have been able to pass up. Yeah. But I'm so glad I didn't book it because I think for my own sake, it was good for me to leave Japan inevitably, even though I love it so much. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. So you're like, I got to leave. And then you just, what made you decide on, you decided on Los Angeles or. So yeah, initially, take me I feel like I'm just blabbling. This blabbing is what this podcast life. is. No, this is, it is about you. Let me just tell you my entire life story. Yeah, please. Go. Um, so I moved back to the States and I'm feeling like pretty dismal because like I said, I have a resume of like some things I did in Japan, but. When you're starting in the States, like, you know, you, you I didn't have like a guest star. I didn't have any of that, you know. Are you back home I'm, at this point? I'm back home in Massachusetts okay. living with my parents. Okay. And um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer pretty immediately after I moved back. Wow. And she's okay now. But at the time I was like, first of all, thank goodness I left Japan right. because I would have had to leave Japan anyway just yeah. to be I wouldn't be able to be there and like mentally, I don't think I could handle being far away and, mm -hmm. you know, until things were stable again. So I was really glad that I did leave when I did. And, um, and then I didn't want to move far away until things were more stable. Mm -hmm. So I stayed at home for a few months. Um, she had surgery, she was on medication, things smoothed out. She's doing better. And then I moved to New York City because That's right. it was closer. Yeah. closer. <laughs> and yeah. I love New York so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New York's great. Have I feel like ever... every uh huh, I live there. I feel like yeah. everybody has lived there for a little bit of time, but mm -hmm. like also I was a maniac uh during that time and like uh drinking my fucking face off. Um <laughs> and not getting as much done as I probably uh could or should have so eventually moved to los angeles but uh was your new york journey a lot better than mine less of a shit show um it wasn't it was kind of a, a mix i would say i would say yeah um but i so i moved to new york and i had some savings from japan at the time but it was like rapidly dwindling mm -hmm. and so i got two jobs i was teaching english to korean students and I got another job singing to babies at this business that is no longer operating. <laughs> but like it was it was like a bunch of like posh New York parents or, or their nannies bringing their kids to like music classes. And I would sing to them and play instruments and um, like ba like in like how old are these babies? Like babies, like like infants. Zero to, zero, zero to five, I think was the ages. Oh, so then there were some like toddlers in the mix. Yes. Okay. Okay. I thought it was just like a bunch of bassinets and like infants, and you like because <laughs> well, like there it was, a was mommy baby class like that. Yeah. Yes. Where it's like it's like why are they even here? <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe um, I mean I don't know. I'm not a mom. I'm sure it's enriching in some it, way. You're exposing them at an early age to music. Live music. <laughs> I, I mean, like I get the whole singing to them thing, but like. Right. They had this thing where they like touch the instruments and like they got to play them at, when they were old enough and yeah so yeah it was a mix of like this is cool and also this is a little insane yeah yeah so, yeah that's what it sounds like it sounds yeah. like it's beneficial in so like a lot of ways and also a little bit like maybe the parents could maybe sing to their own kid uh yeah at, no they don't have time or something for that. yeah they they're don't have time to working. sing their own. exactly they're working and the nanny's not paid to do that so. yeah <laughs> not a trained um, singer yeah, I still remember, oh my God, this job. So I had fun with it, except for like, you had to learn how to play every instrument in the in the whole store, in the whole facility. So yeah. they had like violins, cellos, saxophone, clarinet. So you had to be able to play a song on all of these instruments. Whoa. It was crazy. And so for woodwinds, what? because I play the flute, I was like, this is great. You already played, just... okay, so you already played the flute at this point. Yes. Okay. And so I could... 
I could pick up a saxophone and like figure out by ear how to play a song, even though the keys aren't the right fingering. But anything else like strings, oh my God, I'm so bad at strings. So they hired you before, they hired you knowing like you didn't know how to play the string, any string instrument? That you would learn to play a song on each one, like as part of your job. Oh my God. So my worst one though was the jaw harp. (laughs) This was horrible. So do you know the jaw harp? It's like I know a metal, harp, <laughs> harp, little metal thing that you put over your mouth, and there's like a spring, and it goes. Never heard of this in my life. You must have heard it. Google. It I probably maybe I've heard it, but I've never heard of it. But a jaw called. harp. Yeah, I so. can't even imagine what that even looks like. Like a harmonica, kind of. Uh, it's different. Okay, yeah. so no. Anyway, Google, I'll Google it. I want to Google it right so, now, actually. Do it right now. Imagine this. So I get this jaw harp, and I'm trying to play it, and I, the little metal thing, like, <laughs> okay, this hits looks, me this looks in wild. the lip, cuts my lip, and I start bleeding, and I'm trying to, like, Are the pretend, babies there? Yes. <laughs> and I'm trying to pretend, like, like, everything is fine, and I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing, and I'm just like, ha, 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 yep, parents, like, everything is great. Oh, the parents like, are there, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're there, too. And I'm pretty sure, like, most of the parents saw me bleeding from my lip, and they were like, uh, it was, like, it was, yeah, it was not good. This thing looks, also looks pretty wild. It I looks, think it's honestly, it looks like an instrument that would be at the OBGYN. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I can see that. Although, yeah, that's a torture device right there. I'm like, that's been in my pussy for sure. Uh, but it hasn't. It's a jaw harp. <laughs> Oh man, it will cut you. So don't yeah, recommend. Don't, don't, don't recommend it up there. Do not put it in your pussy. <laughs> nope. Okay, so you we have two. You have two jobs. You're. Two jobs. Are you pursuing any sort of theater or acting at this point, or are you just focusing on these two jobs? So that's where I was auditioning for or applying to some short films, and I did one short film while I was there, um, and I started taking voiceover classes. Okay. So that's where I first started doing voiceover. I took some commercial classes, made a demo. And um, <clears throat> I forgot to mention that when I was at home at my parents' house, I started like looking online for just any opportunity for voiceover that existed. And I found this contest online on YouTube. I'm really and, excited about this. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I entered that contest. As one should. Um, and so this was an anime voiceover contest hosted by Bang Zoom Entertainment, a studio here in LA. And um, the contest was like a few rounds. So for the first round, you had to submit a voiceover video and a talent video. So those are still up on my YouTube channel. They're like <laughs> one of three videos that exist on my YouTube channel. Um, so I just did like a bunch of impressions because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what they were looking for. And um, then for the talent video, I just like played some music and sang songs or something. And then, um, yeah, and then I got, I made it to the second round. Hell yeah. But before I posted this video, this was, this was another thing. Cause I was so low at the time. I had nothing. I was like, I don't have any experience. I'm, I'm just, I don't know if I'm good at voiceover. Like yeah. what, it, what am I doing? I almost didn't post the video cause yeah. I, I made the whole thing, edited it, spent so much time on it. And then I was like, I don't think I can put this on YouTube because people are just going to laugh at me and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stupid and I should die. So yeah. Yeah. like that's how I felt. And then my my older brother was like, just post it. Just do it. Who cares? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I love when like, like a random person comes in and is like, just do the thing. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's an option. Huh. Yeah. Didn't yeah. think of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he kind of made me see, and and it made me realize too that I was at a point where it was like, yeah, I try, I try this or I don't, and then I regret it for the rest of my life. So like, mm-hmm. I need to take risks. I need to do these things because you, you have to take risks or you will see no results. So I posted the video, Oof. made it to round two. Round two happens when I'm in New York. It was like a directed callback, and then they flew me to LA for the finale. Holy shit! So. Yeah, I didn't think that this was going to be like a they fly me anywhere kind of a contest. I thought yeah. it was like this little YouTube thing. Anyway, so they flew out the four finalists, I believe. 
and we did like our final audition and then I won the contest. Holy shit. And I was just like, well, that's encouraging. And then I got to dub my first anime, which was Miss Monochrome. It's a, it's a short anime, super cute. Anyway, it, it was like, it was good because it kind of showed me that like, I'm not trash. And like, <laughs> I, you know, it was encouraging that yeah. t- taking risks can pay off. Yeah. Um, even though like you're not, hundred percent sure of yourself like you just gotta go for it sometimes and uh and that's when i saw that most of the voiceover industry for cartoons and video games animation it's all out in la so i was like well i gotta go so i left new york and then i moved here and And how was your like mental health during all this because we know in japan it wasn't good yeah you get back your mom gets diagnosed with breast cancer Mm -hmm. i'm i mean i'm sure your mental state is now even worse um so like yeah you you tell me like how's your mental in new york la where are you at so every time i do a hard reset which i i count like moving to japan moving to new york moving to la those are hard resets where it's like you're starting from zero you know obviously like i have some experience and stuff but like you gotta get work you gotta make friends you it's like all new I feel like it it improves my mood because I'm focused on other things. Like I'm focused on just doing the thing. And then the longer I stay, the more I settle in, the more I would settle into those cycles of depression where it's like, I would have periods where I just, I think everybody hates me and everybody's talking about how much they hate me and how I'm, I'm horrible. You know, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. That I feel like it's very common for people to think that and or or like I'm I'm not talented. Who do I think I am? What am I doing? How presumptuous of me to think that I could do this? You know, stuff like that. Where mm-hmm. it's like, and then and then that just spirals in on you, and then you get to a dark place, and you just kind of stay there for a while. So, I was back um, after a couple years into those cycles of anxiety and depression and like self doubt, um, and then. I I got to a point and I was having success in my career at this yeah, point. Yeah, I was going to say I feel like that was happening for you. So, but that didn't change your Yeah, no. okay. That's because yeah, when it's a mental health thing, external yeah. things are like band-aids. And that's what I learned. It was like like now I'm making a living on voiceover, which is all I wanted to do. You know, like I did it. Cool, I'm doing it. You obviously still have to work at it. You got to audition. You got to keep it up. But I was like, well, you know, I'm still having these thoughts of I suck. I'm horrible. Who am I to, you know, all the thoughts don't go away. They don't just go away when you get a job. So I got therapy. I was like, it's time. I got to a very dark place, like a a place where I was like, I didn't know my brain was capable of this. Mm. So let's go talk to a therapist right Mm -hmm. now. So Mm -hmm. Um, this was before COVID. This was like, I think it was the February before. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was something that I had been dealing with my entire life, anxiety and depression, thought it was normal, thought it was who I was. And then I talked to a therapist and that really helped me work through some of those some of those things and then um also medication helps mm. yep. yep it doesn't work I for really... everyone but man it sure helps me because sometimes your brain chemistry is just not quite you know optimal and yeah medication can help it get to that point where it's it's working better for you so yeah i really recommend people talk to a therapist if they can um and also don't dismiss those resources because I was one of those people who was like I don't want to depend on that but it's 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 not depending on it it's just like improving your quality of life you know it's like do do yourself a favor and and um don't don't accept that as your normal is what I would say yeah I relate to that I'm on I've been on and off medication since I was like 18 or 19 Mm. and I would I would be like, okay, I'm better now, and then go off of it. And it's like, 
nope, not, not how that works. Um, and it wasn't until I was like consistent and finally found like a medication that worked for me that mm-hmm. like I felt like a part of my brain opened up that was not available before. And all of a sudden I'm like painting and all of a sudden I'm like interested in interior design and fashion and like oh, all wow. of these creative things that like I was not interested in before because I'm assuming my brain just like did not have the capacity for it. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm so pro medication and I, I don't really and maybe maybe you understand this I don't really get it when people are like well I don't want to be on this medication for the rest of my life I'm like well why I like get do that. they think it's I gonna understand. do they think it's gonna like fuck them up I don't think that's it I think it's like for me it was that I was like I don't want to have to rely on this for for me to be okay but because like, because like why <laughs> good question <laughs> Like, why don't you want to rely on it? Because I feel like I should be okay on my own. Okay. On my own. Sure. So it's not, it's not, I don't think that's a healthy way of thinking. I think that like the drugs also have a stigma medication of becoming addicted or becoming reliant on something. And when it comes to mental health drugs, like certain drugs, I feel like that's not a concern it's like you're using this to be your baseline happiest and if it's working for you there's not a reason to have to have to get on without it like you don't need to tough it out yeah yeah I don't know I can't speak to what other people how other people think about that but for me that was my my thing I get that it's like I should be able to do this thing I don't need this other extra thing I should be able to do it on my own but it's also like it feels like it's a if we're gonna put words to it like the quote-unquote stronger thing or the harder thing is to do the thing that scares you which is beyond medication so in my mind like (laughs) that that's the stronger person the more you know what I mean the tougher person is the one doing the medication not the one not doing the medication to try to like tough it out right you know right for me, so, therapy was that, like, I was like, I'm going to try therapy, and that was helping me. It helped me a lot, but it wasn't it wasn't 100%. It was, I mean, like, I think it's 100%, but it wasn't, like, the medication also, like, it helped me that much more. So mm-hmm. it's like, don't just take meds and hope it goes away. Like, still be working on yourself, but, like, you don't have to, you don't have to just accept things as they are yeah I think it's tricky when people are just taking the medication and not doing like the therapy or the inner work or whatever that's that's tricky for me um because I agree with you that therapy is so valuable was it just like traditional like talk therapy or is it was it okay and was it easy for you to like find a good therapist like did you get a good one on the first the first one you found um yeah so I was recommended one got it um and she was pretty solid like there were there were there were things about i'm uh there are things about therapy that kind of were really hard for me Ooh, like what? um well first of all like i really don't like talking about myself like personal <laughs> well then thanks I'm for doing the podcast, podcast. here yeah. i am um but like you know that personal the nitty-gritty it's like i i realized that i had I was in denial about a lot of things and so that was hard and so like talking about those things just talking in general is really hard for me because I come from a family that doesn't really talk about problems Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm used to just kind of brushing it under the rug and being like I'm fine it's fine yeah yep um so it, it was hard I'm, I'm on a hiatus, but I'm hoping to start back up again. Yeah. So you start therapy, you get on meds, and then do you feel like your moods or your cyclical depression, do you feel like it's more manageable or under control now? And, or like, is there something that you do to like maintain a good mental health? I think that like, so overall, my... So I also had insomnia. I should have mentioned. Ooh, that'll fuck you. That'll fuck you. This is what drove me. Sure will. Yeah. This is what drove me to the medication in the first place. Got it. I had insomnia. This was like coming out of COVID. 
for was it that recent maybe it was sooner no i think it was like it was during covid um i had insomnia this time like the worst ever for like a month i couldn't sleep i wasn't getting to rem sleep so i would i would drift off but i wasn't getting rem sleep and i was going insane i was I started like hallucinating things out of this, my peripheral peripheral vision. <laughs> like it was bad and I couldn't function. I couldn't do my day to day, you know, work or be a human. And so I talked to my therapist and I was like, I don't know why I can't sleep. I feel like I'm no more anxious than usual. Like what's wrong with me? And she said, she suggested my medication, which is an anti, uptake inhibitor is that what they're called uh serotonin select serotonin reuptake inhibitor ssri i believe so. there's a couple different is it trazodone no i'm like i can go through the list baby (laughs) ones that make you sleepy let's Let's do this (laughs) no it's a it's wellbutrin so oh that wait i'm on wellbutrin too you are yeah i love it it's great so i started taking that um because of my insomnia and it went away. Why? Because Wellbutrin like gives you energy. Yes. But the reasons that I wasn't sleeping, well, my, my therapist theorizes was that I had like um, anxiety and it was manifesting, you know, into insomnia, even though I didn't feel any more particularly anxious. Um, I guess like Wellbutrin can be used as an anti-anxiety. Anxiety. That makes um, sense. It's also like an anti, it helps people like quit addictions like smoking and blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's not, um, yeah, it's not an SSRI. It's a, no. I think it's a norepinephrine. The, and I don't remember. Something I've taken. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should it's, know. I really should know. I do. <laughs> um, anyway, it's. I think it's more of like a dopamine versus a serotonin thing i think should we look it it up explain to me that it keeps your um brain chemicals in your brain for longer yes kind of its main function yeah i think that's how they all are it's just like which chemical is it yeah um i am but i'm gonna i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do it i did but i'm gonna have to read it and i want to talk to you instead um (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so it helped the insomnia immediately like within a few days wow i was sleeping again and also my cyclical depression the thoughts the negative thoughts were like way muted like like almost gone like i wouldn't i wouldn't come home from a job and be like everybody hates me and i'm stupid and i shouldn't do anything ever again and i shouldn't leave my house like those thoughts went away yeah so it really helped me yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I accept. I like add. I add a Celexa during my period because I need a little extra kick. Cause uh-huh. hormones are fucking nuts, man. Oh yeah, that's what it is. It's I mean, those it's, hormones. It's those hormones. So okay, so now that you're, I'm curious about where this. Um, like everybody hates me. I'm not. I didn't didn't do a good job or whatever. Like comes from. I know where it comes from. <laughs> Where does it come from? Um, I had a, a a strict parent growing up. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That'll and, do it. And meaning well. Sure. Criticism came hard, and mm. and it was it was meant <laughs> to help me. Um, and my parent was taught this from their parent. I'm trying to avoid. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can be vague. <laughs> Being so vague. I wonder yeah. who it is. Um, but, uh, like, I understand why this behavior happened, but it was very damaging to a child who Mm -hmm. is just trying to please their parents and, um, created a perfectionist and a self-criticizing monster. (laughs) Yeah. I relate. Um, I, my parent, I'll say it, my (laughs) father, (laughs) uh, is straight up narcissist so it was like do it this way or you don't get or like love is withheld you know and so uh, I had to like formulate I had to figure out like what I liked and didn't like because Mm -hmm. 
I didn't even know that because I was just doing whatever the pain that like my dad wanted me to do because mm-hmm. I wanted love for my parent, you know. And so like growing up now, it's I'm having a hard time trusting my instincts because I never had them before. I didn't mm-hmm. need them. I had this person telling me this is right. This is wrong. Do this. Don't do that. So now I'm like, oh, fuck, when I make decisions, I'm like second guessing myself and like, is this right? Is this wrong? I don't know. I don't have anybody here to be like, yes, this is right. So that's been like something that is has mm. been interesting for me to navigate. I don't know yeah. if you relate to that at all. Or fears are fears is mostly perfectionism. Um, yeah, mo- more so like performance related, where it was like, because I I felt like I was capable of making decisions, um, but it was more like performance in that like, did I do a good enough job? Am I good enough? Mm-hmm. The answer was always no. Mm-hmm. into myself too like I became my own critic I, I became my own the my person who was sitting on my shoulder being like nothing is ever going to be good enough nothing that you do is ever finished because it's not it could be better everything you do could be better you know just like those kinds of things where it's like yeah you got an A but was it an A plus mm. how do you maneuver that now especially with being an actor because I imagine you know especially with auditions and self-tapes and things like that Mm -hmm. how do you I mean I guess how do you manage it as an actor and how do you manage it as a person yeah I think like it's something that I I still struggle with sometimes um but I'm a lot better than I used to be and I think that things like improv help because Mm. you're just you know, it's live and it's like, you're going to fail. Have fun. Yeah. Like you're going to, yeah. it's, you're going to do stupid shit and it's not going to be funny and you're going to have to survive. So good luck. And Is like, that why you started to do improv? Were you like, I want to do something to like challenge my perfectionism? Um, no, I, I kind of a little bit, but it was more like, I really like comedy and I had seen some improv shows that like blew my mind and I was yeah. like, these people are amazing. I want to yeah, do yeah, that yeah. too. Okay, okay. It looked like fun. And, um, but also, yeah, it did challenge my biggest fears of like control. It's control. It's like, you know, that's the same reason I, I started taking Meisner acting because mm. it puts you in the moment and you have to respond. You, you don't have time to be like, well, let me think about this. How am I going to shape this answer? You know, like yeah. it's, very on the spot and so those things kind of help me work through performance you know perfectionism and um i also find that after doing voiceover mainly for years that some of the best stuff is the mistakes like that's gold you know it's not there is no perfect (laughs) what is perfect like i i realize that it's not an achievable thing and it's not even a real thing like there's nothing there's no such thing as perfect so what am I striving for? You yeah. know, it's better to be the best version of yourself you can be and just put it out there and like move on. So yeah. rejection is is real in Hollywood. So learning to move on is is kind of key. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Or you quit. Like it's, you quit. You'd have to, you, you know, like you have to learn how to. It's not easy either. <laughs> it's not easy yeah. to be like, okay, 95% no, 99% no's, uh, but I'm still going to keep doing this thing. Yep. Yep. Um, I was going to ask you something about perfectionism and now I can't remember what it was, but whatever. Um, if you could, oh wait, now I remember. Is there something that you do like in your day to day that is helpful for your mental health? Like, do you have a routine or do you meditate or do you have therapy or do you or, you know, what is helpful or like when you're feeling depressed or anxious, is there something you do that's helpful? Yeah, I I've learned to take time for myself, which I don't know, it sounds cliche and blah, blah, blah. Like, I've heard so no, it doesn't. Times, but like, just um, I I come from a family of of like. I think I relate to my dad in this way where he has to be busy all the time and Mm. like feel productive. And I'm the same way. I'm like, if I'm not being productive, then what am I? Like, what Mm. am I doing? So I've learned, especially after COVID, COVID kind of forced me to slow down and like think about it. Um, But to take time to relax because you need that downtime to regenerate and like to just decompress. 
and then you'll come back you'll bounce back that much more you know that much stronger Mm. as in like you can go and work all day and then you got to come home and you got to relax because if you don't then you go out tomorrow and you work all day and you're going to be that much worse like you need for your well-being and your um like the productivity side of it it's like right be more productive if you actually like take the time to not be productive yeah 22 what Um, do you do for in the like what do you do to relax and unwind is there like something specific so I have a few things but one of them is I will watch mindless television it's a good one day fiance everybody yeah (laughs) it's the worst trashiest show ever but I love it and I'll just put it on in the background and I'll be like you know looking at stuff on my computer just like relaxing I don't have to pay attention to it I can get up and get a cup of coffee and come back and I'm not missing, you know, I don't care yeah, yeah, yeah. anything. Yeah. Stuff like that where it's like Yeah. Or or watching a show that you actually like is is nice too. Yeah. Um playing video games is fun. Great. Stuff like Love that. that. Love that. Um cool. Well, as we're hitting our hour, um, usually the last question I ask is if you could give a piece of advice to someone experiencing a low point in their life what piece of advice would you give them? I would say that the low point is not forever. First of all, like that's for me, the most important thing to remember is when you're at your lowest, it's not forever. And they're like, things can get better and they will. You just have to ride it out. You know, you got to get through it. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And, um, and yeah, to do whatever you can to to help yourself you know whether it be therapy or medication or making time for yourself treat yourself well like take the time for yourself make the time for yourself be good to yourself because it's hard it's hard out there yeah it is hard out there I really liked what you said about like doing things that are in the moment because like I heard someone talk about this as like anxiety is thinking about the future and depression is thinking about the past. And so like when we can be ultra present, Mm. um, it's a benefit to our mental health. And also like I feel like uh, less egotistical because it's like then I can be I can focus on you, the other person, rather than myself, you know. So Mm -hmm. I feel like working on being present is really hard which is I think why people meditate is like to be able to be in the moment more that shit's yeah. hard man that's a yeah. practice Meisner everybody go take a Meisner I, yeah I did Meisner I did two years of it yeah <laughs> good stuff good yeah it's great uh well thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time um it's been lovely and a treat and I learned so much about you yeah thanks for having me now I want to like interview you <laughs> I don't have a podcast but <laughs> just do it for fun thanks for listening to this episode of how the fuck did you bounce back with guest actor and singer Abby Trot. you can find her on Instagram her handle is just her name Abby Trot. thanks again for listening new episodes every Thursday